Welcome everyone to the WKIF Wrestling Network. My name is Max. I am a lifelong wrestling fan. And this is the show where we bring on somebody who is not a lifelong wrestling fan or a fan at all, and we talk about wrestling with them. And this week we are talking about an old Smoky Mountain show. Jim Cornette is getting called out today on this show. But before we do that, let me bring it out, uh, throw it over to my co-host. He is drug-free, he is alcohol-free, and that means he's better than you, former GWF announcer Craig Johnson. Yes, I'm straight edge, and I listen to Sister Sledge. <laughs> That's all I can. That's all I can think of. And our guest this week, from the home of the twenty three hundred arena, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, appearing live on film because we don't have any tape. It's Steph. Hi everyone. I know absolutely nothing about wrestling, which Yay. makes you perfect for this show. Until next week. Well, and we will uh, actually promote it early because next yes. week we have a very special guest joining us. Somebody I know a lot about, so I'm going to let Max talk about it. Next week's Mr. Scott Hudson is going to be on the show. And we're going to talk about the heroes of wrestling. Yes. Scott yes. Hudson, former announcer of WCW Thunder. Yep. And also my, uh, my co-announcer on Major League Wrestling for the mm -hmm. Global Wrestling Federation. I'm going to watch so many Thunders this week. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask him how he had to call all that stuff. And but, speaking of Thunder. <laughs> yes, this week it's Smoky Mountain Wrestling Thanksgiving Thunder from 1993. And if you uh, listen to Les Thatcher, it's the Thanksgiving Thunder Tour. Yes. One uh, show equals a tour. I, I looked it up. <laughs> I looked it up. There were actually uh, four shows. Three of them were not televised. Oh, okay. Um, tour. So, yeah, they did tour. Um, yeah, let's give a little context on what Smoky Mountain Wrestling was. Um, okay. Uh, Jim Cornette left WCW or was fired from WCW. I don't remember which. Um, and uh, he realized that uh, the territory system was changing. Uh, there were essentially two national brands of wrestling, but that didn't mean that it had to go away. Uh, because there were a lot of towns that were smaller towns where that didn't have big arenas where the WCW and WWF would play and that he could make some money in that territory. And it was like Eastern Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, that kind of territory. Um, and so he signed up a bunch of talent and he got funding through lifelong wrestling fan, Mr. Rick Rubin. Yes, the guy that produced all those Run DMC albums and the Johnny Cash albums. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So the, 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 uh, the Beastie Boys Falls Boutique funded this show. Um, <laughs> pretty amazing. That actually um, makes perfect sense. Like, I yeah. couldn't imagine anything else. Right. <laughs> um, okay. And so, like... It was a show it ran, um, I'm guessing, just on local television? Yeah, um, it, was a, it was a syndicated television show that ran on local television throughout the yeah. Smoky Mountain area. Because, right. quite frankly, there was a Darth of, uh, a Darth of um, Southern-style wrestling because yeah. WWE had taken over most everything. And yes, you did have WCW, but it has gone more to the entertainment side of things. So this was genuinely Southern style wrestling. Yeah, I think I think by this point, um, Bill Watts was out. Jim Hurd was in. 
And yes. Yeah, Jim Hurd was just interested. Instead of doing something different, he just wanted to be competitive with WWF. Um, so yeah, right. And and not only that, but like I said, that you know this was a show that could play in smaller towns that didn't have an arena, whereas uh, you know the national companies just couldn't do that. Now, so it, go ahead. What exactly is Southern style wrestling? Like, is that like an actual thing, or are you just talking about like the characters are like Southern based, like the wrestlers are Southern based? Um. I think you could call Southern res wrestling uh, realistic towards. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's not. <laughs> that's not what this show is. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to use that button tonight. Um, Southern style wrestling is is uh, a lot of the classic wrestling that you would remember back from the 1970s and 1980s. It okay. didn't involve a lot of high flying. It involved a lot of, of characters and outrageous characters in the fact that they were outrageous for who they were, not the gimmick they were given. Right. I mean, in this one particularly, though, there was one character, which I'll, <laughs> we'll get into later, that was pretty... Uh, can I curse? <laughs> Yes, yes you may. Pretty fucking gimmicky, I must say. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh, we'll get to that. And he is the whole reason we're doing this show, oh, Steph, so you will, you will enjoy that. <laughs> show starts with a classic 90s opening, as I always tend to look at the production side yep. of things. I mean, you could it's not get more 90s. over uh, a static shot of the Smoky Mountains, but yeah. like, yeah. the shot is... Um, uh, it's got the effect on it. We're yes, the posterized, yeah. posterized yes. effect. Yes, and our announcers are Dirty Dutch Mantel. Excuse me, Doctor Dutch Mantel. Where he got that? I'll never know. Uh, and Wes right. Thatcher, who is actually a a preeminent wrestling announcer and wrestler, who was the head of the WWE's very first developmental territory, Heartland Championship Wrestling in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I happen to be sitting right now. Nice. I want to see that guy's doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God, Dutch Mantel. Oh, have I got notes? <laughs> I thought they had good chemistry, though. They yeah, definitely did. It was definitely a, a fun back and forth. Yeah. Um, all right, so they discussed the main event, and then we get a promo from... Uh, Chris Candido uh, he's going to be taking on Bobby Blaze um, and just um, because this was only a couple of months after it happened Chris Candido references 1993 Beach Blast he says the idea of doing a uh, this is going to be a tar and feather match and he says the idea of doing such a match is dumber than a small person on a, blowing up a boat which had happened at WCW's Beach Blast 93. So, oh, so they were directly calling somebody out with that, because I was a little confused yeah. by that. I was like, eh, it's funny, but it could, they could have done better. And Chris <laughs> Candido was one of those great old-school wrestlers who could come off as the perfect cocky heel. Yeah. Are you listening, MJF? <laughs> I mean... And uh, Chris Candido would eventually uh, be, I believe, married to one uh, Tammy Sitch, known yep. as Tammy Fitch here. Yep. And uh, then we go over to Bobby Blaze, who has the most beautiful mullet. And we've seen a lot of bad mullets on this show um, from all Wait, the 80s and 90s wrestling we've watched. But Bobby's mullet is beautiful. Oh, the, but the best mullet is 
which we'll, we'll get into later, is, um, oh my god, his name now escapes me, in the, uh, the, the match that ended, like, super fast, he walked in with, like, a trench coat on. Oh, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, that yeah. mullet was by far my favorite mullet. <laughs> yes. And it's like, like, there was a study of mullets you could have done on this on this show, and, but his by far took me by surprise because all his hair was missing on top. Yeah. It was just back. But if you're going to corner the airbrush market, you oh, have yeah. to go to Bobby Blaze. <laughs> and there <Yes>. you go. <laughs> airbrush t-shirt with like a, him pinning somebody. It was like, uh. Uh, and, and the thing that I thought made that entire interview is he goes through this entire interview and there's like a two second pause before the interview ends and he just nods at the camera like, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to meet this guy. He's going to, I'm going to take him and he's going to be tarred feather. Uh-huh. So yeah, this is that. That's the first match. It's uh, Bobby Blaze versus Chris Candido. He's blazing, by the way. He's blazing. Uh, Chris Candido's entrance music is "Suicide Blonde" by NXS because he is the Suicide Blonde, and he has one of those great old school promos where he grabs the mic and says that uh, Tennessee may as well be Kentucky, and neither of them are as great as being from New Jersey like he is. Um, <laughs> it's a bold claim coming from someone from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's an easy way to get what's called heat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, and, the ring announcer, Scott Spangler, trying to get some uh, sort of ring announcement in here. Yeah. The only ring announcer in the history of professional wrestling to wear a cardigan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a great voice, though. Yeah, he, 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 voice. he reminded me of the guy from the black chip. Never mind. <laughs> Steve Rossi. Steve Rossi! Let's hear it, everybody! Yeah. Give it up for him! Okay, this match goes on forever. Yes, it does. It, it really does. <laughs> yeah. But by far has the best acrobatics. Like, uh, like, oh, yeah. Like, the wrestling that I've seen and the wrestling that I'm used to, like, probably like the what little I have seen has all been, like, late, like, late 90s, early 2000s stuff, and it's all, like, high-flying, you know, super fast-paced. And right. not a lot, not a lot of beatdown, and this was the one that had the most acrobatics of them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris and, Candido and, was one of those guys that really changed the game on how wrestling was presented. And he's presented as the WWA and U.S. Junior Heavyweight Champion. WWA yeah. was the affiliation uh, or the uh, federation down in Puerto Rico at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, Chris Candido, uh, when he came in. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, he didn't have Tammy Fitch with him. This was before that. Right. But Bobby Blaze came in with an actual fan sign, written actual words on a piece of paper. And I'm going to be talking about these signs as we go along because oh, there seems to be a, a theme going on here. Yeah. But uh, I, I love how right as the, the match starts, Candido takes a timeout. Yes. And Dutch goes into this huge diatribe about how the timeout should actually be imposed yes. in professional wrestling and gave the entire rule of how it should happen. Yes. It by far was the best argument for the institution of the timeout in professional <laughs> wrestling that I had ever heard. He definitely went into it on that, on the, uh, about the timeout. And I like from someone who's never seen it, I 
don't know the rules at all. Right. I was a little confused by that, but like, you know, I hung in there for it. Okay. Dutch had a lot of great lines in this one, like, yeah, one will it. look like a chicken or yeah. some sort of country product. Oh, the, the, <laughs> no, the best line was, was, was he called, um, he called one of the guys trash and yes. he's like, here at Smoky Mountain, we recycle. So not trash, recycled product. Yes. I'm like, yo, this is hilarious. Uh, there's also a point at which, um, Les is talking about how dangerous it is for the referee and Dutch just says, well, he's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Dutch can take the simplest thing and make it complicated. Yeah. And and I love how he referred to the to the ring announcer as Don Pardo. Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's how I should have come in tonight. Hello, Max. Um, there, there is some... does a Hulk Hogan impression. <laughs> he does. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, and and we'll talk about this guy throughout the entire show. Because he is just simply awesome. Real name Brian Hildebrand, known as Mark Curtis, the sure. only referee on this show, I might add. And he was great. And he more than any other hilarious. More than any other referee in wrestling, he has more influence on how the matches ran to make Smoky Mountain what it is. He used to be a wrestler and, and would do I, I even think he did a Ninja Turtle gimmick at one time. But his ring psychology was so amazing. So he did, He wouldn't take any gruff, but he could take a bump like nobody's business. And he would eventually in a few matches. All right. Um, uh, well, Chris initially wins. Um, so Brian Blaze agreed, but Brian's foot was on the rope. And so remember, the referee count. cannot do anything unless there's something to do, according to Dutch. Yeah, yeah. Can't do anything because there's nothing to do. <laughs> um, but uh, Brian agrees to be hard and feathered anyway. But then Sandy Scott, who is the commissioner of Smoky Mountain, comes out and reverses the decision and says that the match must continue. Um, but uh, Candido just picks up uh, the tar and... Straight throws the tarp down and tars and feathers uh, Brian Blaze anyway and gets fined a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> now I, I love how Les Hatcher, Bobby Blaze has shown his metal with these feathers. <laughs> <laughs> now this this was a classic Southern gimmick match because they used to do the tar and feathering all over the you know it's not politically correct now but what it was it was molasses or syrup and and a a pillow (laughs) and the fact that they were fighting over the pillow (laughs) made it a pillow fight well the the in that like the ref and um uh candido were fighting over the pillow for the last little bit and i just was like waiting for him to swing on the ref because the ref was not letting that damn pillow go. <laughs> he um, was saying, my pillow. Oh, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then Bobby, Bobby Blaze did the classics, I don't know, I'll call it classic Southern thing. He said, you know, it's, uh, I'll, I'm, I'm a man. I'll take what's coming to me. <laughs> and the, that whole... The amount of feathers that went through that ring was wild. This will be a theme uh, throughout this show. 
what's left in the ring after <laughs> the match. It's just yes. a theme that will go through the entire show. By the way, one of the things that completely dates this whole show to 1993 is the fact that I think in every match, the topic of political correctness comes up. It does a yep. lot. <clears throat> and, and the lack of it. Yes. <laughs> very 1993. And the cameraman's a videologist. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, yes. Um, Candido wins this one by cheating, so he gets fined. So I guess there's no real winner. Well, wait a minute. Didn't didn't he get disqualified for... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for tarring and feathering. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I guess Brian Blaze is the winner. All right. Because I remember the 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 announcer was like, mm-hmm. although he won the match, he leaves the turkey, which yes. got, that line got me. But remember, the winner, the winner, the it's loser of the match was the winner of the turkey championship. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, James E. Cornette. I yeah. can't figure this out. And and yeah, they. Uh, they spend way too much time making that much more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, all right. Then we get Daryl Van Horn, who I had no idea who that was. Sounds a lot like the Grand Wizard of Wrestling, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> Complete with the Fez, Mr. Max. Fez. Complete with the Fez. Loved the Fez. Uh, yes, it is Sinman, Mr. James Mitchell. Um and he's got a surprise for our old friend White Lightning Tim Horner. And speaking of surprises, uh, mm-hmm. apparently uh, I was told by Scott Hudson this week that mm-hmm. James Mitchell just became a father for the first time at age 57. Oh, congratulations. Good for him. <laughs> oh, that kid. <laughs> <laughs> How does he explain that? Like, he had the gimmick where he was essentially a, a satanic well, preacher. Well, well, you see, he made a deal with the devil that he didn't have to be a dad until he was 57. So, what? I should have known because when he comes to the ring and gives a promo um, and claims that he studied at the University of Cairo, he claims one of the subjects he studied was necrophilia. Yes, I heard that too. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I that. <laughs> so let's talk about who he is introducing. He is saying that this guy is 3,500 years old. Right. So this guy comes out, Prince Karras, who, you know, you go and you do your research. And, and Max, remind me to do my research here. Right. And, I, and so I go to the... Uh, I go to uh, the online world of wrestling. Career highlights. He was Prince Karras in Smoky Mountain Wrestling at Thanksgiving Thunder. That was his entire career highlight and bio right there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This was Rob Mays' only match in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Was it his only match in wrestling or just in Smoky Mountain? No, he, he wrestled a couple more times, but nothing nothing of, of any consequence. Now we Steph, I'm going to I'm I'm going to step aside here right. and I'm going to let you describe the appearance of Prince Karras. Oh my gosh. So at least seven feet tall. Right. Easy. 320 pounds 
built like a brick shit house. Amazing wrestler that you are are describing right now. Continue. Now here's here's where it gets weird. Covered from head to toe in what looks like toilet paper, <laughs> with black paint around his lips and eyes. Yep. And at one point, he extends his arm and beats someone over the head with it. <laughs> and that's about the best way I can explain it. He looked like a mummy, but a very stereotypical version of what you think, like, like someone's dad got into the toilet paper right before Halloween. That was the best way I could explain it. The face looked like the abominable snowman. Oh, it did. And the, the amount of like what I assumed to be baby powder coming off him <laughs> the entire yes. time was almost comical. He like walked in a cloud because he was just covered head to toe in baby powder. So uh, to, to let our fans, yeah, to let our fans in on this, any time there was any impact involving Prince Karis, there was so much baby powder put on this character that literally it looked like Pigpen from the Charlie did, Brown did, things exactly where a puff of smoke would go up. And when he fell on the ground, there was this white <laughs> outline left from where he fell because of the powder. So, so my favorite thing about the whole thing is that Daryl Van Horn and Dutch Mantel are really selling it. You know, they're, they're selling the idea that, that Daryl Van Horn went to Egypt and found this scroll and has resurrected a 3,500-year-old 3, mummy. And um, oh, the other announcer, name just escaped me. Um, oh, Les Thatcher. What, Les Thatcher's just not buying not any buying of it. Not buying any of it. But, <laughs> but the best part is he's like, he's like, Dutch, I didn't know you spoke Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> while he's like screaming like a southern preacher throughout the whole thing, he's like, yeah, that means... That means uh, ride him like a camel. Yeah. <laughs> or no, beat him until the camels come home. I'm like, oh my fucking God. And remember, he had consumed the sacred scarab beetle. Yes. Which I thought was Kevin Sullivan's gimmick, but <laughs> we'll see that a little later. Oh, no, that's the beetle nut. Sorry. Oh, and I, Les Thatcher also claims that uh, Prince Karis has a tremendous arsenal of holds. We see one. One. He has one hold. The choke is all the people need to know. <laughs> he just grabbed that guy by the throat and just held him there. Yep. Like, that was his whole thing. But, like, I can only imagine how hard it would have been to walk in that suit. Like, they said he was moving slow, and he probably was playing it up. But that he was fucking caked in whatever it was. Yeah. Now, before the match, uh, there was this. Um, you talked about Daryl Van Horn, aka the Sinister Minister Jim Mitchell. He gave a promo in which apparently Dutch thought he was speaking in in Egyptian, right. but the entire promo was plagiarized. And I hate to I hate to bust Jim Mitchell on this, but the entire promo uh, of when he started talking was plagiarized from Robert Tilton speaking in tongues on his Success in Life television evangelist program, like a oh southern preacher. That's exactly what he sounded like. Awesome. He sounded exactly. Like a exactly. That's what he was doing. He was doing Robert Tilton. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> that is fucking hilarious. Yes. Now, I, I don't know for a fact that he plagiarized it for Robert Tilton, but that uh, that's the only other place I've heard it like that, which is allegedly speaking in tongues. 
the the best the so so like the only reason I've ever seen that because I am from like like Philadelphia. I've sure. never really been south of that Mason Dixon line, but like like the only reason I know that is because there's a scene called there's this movie called The Campaign where like Will Farrell is like running for some office against um I forget who he's who the the counterpoint is. But at Zach one point, Zach Galifianakis, yeah. But at one point, Will Ferrell goes to a rattlesnake church. Yes. And they're just screaming in tongues, and he's like, "I can't understand you. I got bit by the snake." <laughs> That's the only reason I knew what it was. Okay. Uh, so well, Prince Karis actually knocks out Tim Horner, and they they count him out, but his foot was on the ropes. Now, yeah, remember his foot was on the ropes. All right. What? How did the last match end? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> It becomes a theme. So tell me that, Jim Cornette. <laughs> I loved how okay. I, I loved how Horner's uh, Horner's eye poke worked though earlier yes. in the match. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I have to take a minute to talk about Jim Cornette. Okay, Jim Cornette was the booker of the show, and he appears on the show a couple times later. And I've said this before on this show about Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette has forgotten more about wrestling than I will ever know. He's been in the business for 40 years. He is an absolute legend, and his contributions to the wrestling business are immeasurable. However, on his own podcast, which I have a love-hate relationship with, admittedly, he gets very self-righteous and acts as though every idea he's ever had has been the greatest idea in wrestling, and it's just a shame that nobody would ever listen to him. This show is absolutely proof that he's just as lost as anybody else. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to put that out there. That I, Okay, like I said, I have a love-hate relationship uh, with Jim Cornette, and I don't know how many of our listeners are members of the Cult of Cornette, but watch this show if you are, and <laughs> understand that a lot of what Jim Cornette is doing on his show is a persona. You know, he wants to be a cranky old guy who complains about wrestling because that keeps him relevant in the world of wrestling. Um, that's all. That's all I'm going to say. Um. The the sheer development of Prince Karis, though, with with yeah. the with the chokehold, not once but twice, and no, three times, in a great mm -hmm. variety of holds, apparently. Yes. So, the bear hug that he puts yeah. on Horner. There's so much powder flying <laughs> that, again, it looks like Pigpen is doing a bear hug. And then, yes. of course, so I make my notes. I said, hey, Horner has a comeback, and Karis takes a powder. Uh. <laughs> Hold on. I, I, I lost my button here. There we go. There we go. Uh, and then, uh, so he goes down and he does an Undertaker, yep. <laughs> where he comes straight back up. So um, after after the match, uh, you know, Horner's foot is in the rope. Mm -hmm. Curtis didn't see it. Apparently, right. he's blind to seeing feet in the rope. Right. So uh, Karis puts a Shinonamaki. Thank you, Les Thatcher. God, I love you. <laughs> Shinonamaki on Tim Horner, which is the Cobra Clutch. Now, the reason yes. Shinonamaki is so near and dear to my heart is it was the name of a newsletter that Scott Hudson, Steve, uh, Stephen DeTruth, and I put out in the early 90s, which was considered the mad magazine of professional wrestling sheets. And nice. it was called the Shenanamaki Post. Nice. 
Um, I did not hear of it, but I don't know if you had advertised in the after mags because that's the only word. <laughs> um, so let's talk about a lot of hair, otherwise known as security. Yeah. <laughs> It was like the one and only time you see the security people in there, and and what what as as like an outside fan, the one thing that like completely just like went completely un like I I was like I have no idea what's going on. It's um, Prince Karis has has like is like choking this guy, and this guy comes out with a chair, beats. That was uh, the dirty white dirty white boy. Dirty white boy beats. The mummy off of White Lightning, and then they're like, they used to be enemies, but now they're friends. I'm like, I because I've never seen it, I had no idea what was going on there. Well, Dirty White Boy, as we'll talk about later, uh, has had more turns than the Big Show. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, he, he was kind of known for being a good guy, then a bad guy, then a good guy. So yeah. Um, um, did you recognize the other security guys? I thought one of them might have been Al Snow. Oh. Um, but I don't know. That's usually my job, and you did that. Well, nicely done, you. Thank you. I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I thought one of them might have been. I had a final note on this match. Okay. What the hell did we just watch? Yo, that's exactly, <laughs> literally exactly what I said. Because, like, we were watching this. Like, as we were watching this, uh, me and my girlfriend were supposed to be on this. And as we're watching this, um, she had fallen asleep, um, which it, when we're sitting on the couch together happens all the time. You know what I mean? We had a long day today. I understand it. But we're laying on the the, the match ends and the, this guy beats a mummy with a chair. <laughs> I wake her up to say, I don't know what the hell I just watched. <laughs> and she looks at me and goes, I'm going upstairs. <laughs> She is having no part of this. No nonsense. part of this. No part of this nonsense. She's done with it. Okay. Her mullet well, ratio had been reached. <laughs> and speaking of mullets, speaking we of get mullets, a promo from Kevin Sullivan. He's calling out the bullet. He knows the bullet's really Bob Armstrong. He doesn't care about Bob Armstrong's identity crisis, and. Uh, you know, he doesn't know which war he fought in either and just starts naming every American conflict going back to the War of 1812. Um, and then we go to the bullet who claims he is still anonymous and he will keep his mask on because he is not going to lose the match. Now, okay. what you what you have to know is that uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong or Bob Armstrong actually uh, either... Uh, would after this become commissioner of the um, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, replacing Jim Cornette, who'd gone off the rails. Um, so Bob Armstrong and Smoky Mountain would have a long, long history here. Right. And this is, it's funny, we talked about this um, some shows ago. We talked about how this is a pretty standard wrestling storyline where a, a guy, for whatever reason, is told he can't wrestle, so he shows back up under a mask. The audience knows who it is. The bad guys know who it is. But for whatever reason, the commissioner can't prove it's that guy. And because um, it's not territory wrestling anymore, you can't do that. And the reason being right. is there used to be in the territories a loser leave town match, right, which right. was always the penult uh, always the ultimate match when it came to uh, ending a feud. And which in is, some territories, why, right. Which, which is why when 
uh, Jimmy Valiant did this gimmick, he was Charlie Brown from out of town. Right, and it when... specifically uh, pointed out that he was from out of town. Yeah, and, and uh, Junkyard Dog would come back, and Dusty, yeah. Dusty Rhodes came back. The Midrata. Uh, the Midrata, he will. Um, yeah, the, the only time I've seen it in, like, non-territory days is Mr. America, I think. Hmm, Yeah. I, I think that would be the case, but the 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 loser leave town match was set up usually when a wrestler was being called into another territory right. uh, to come in and work there for a while and then come back. Jerry Lawler um, in Memphis lost a couple of loser leave town matches. Uh, Dusty Rhodes lost loser leave town matches and would actually go to other territories and then right. come back. Uh, but it's it was always interesting because of all the disguises, Bob Armstrong's disguise was you. It wasn't a disguise. You knew it was Bob Armstrong. Yeah, but all of them too. I mean, Jim Lee Valiant had the Santa Claus beard. Yeah. You know, like uh, Hulk Hogan still had the Hulk Hogan mustache. Like they, they, that was part of that's part of the the gimmick, which I love, by the way. Um, but yeah, this is a, uh, they're going to have a box match. A Singapore spike match. Right. There's boxes on each one of the ring posts. One of the boxes contains a Singapore spike that can be used as a weapon once it is found. And what is the interesting part of this? I don't ever remember the announcers ever talking about the rules of the match. And you no, just figured it out. They didn't at all. Because I, I, like when the match started, I was like, what are the boxes for? And he kept opening it. I was like, what are in the boxes? And then finally, this guy pulls out a spike. I'm like, oh, my God. Someone's going to die. And, oh, man. That was, that, yes, was... That, that is the run-in by Killer Kyle, who starts opening boxes on behalf yes. of yeah. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> uh, and, and he would open one box, and it wouldn't be there. Right? Um... So then he went for the curtain. Uh, sorry. <laughs> And and they, they of course do the spot where he tries to hit the bullet with with the spike, but uh, the bullet ducks and he winds up hitting uh, Kevin Sullivan with it. Um, and so that's how the bullet wins this one. It's really now, short though. Uh, that's that's what I that's yeah that's what I wanted to point out on this one. How long did we give Bobby Blaze and Chris Candido? I know. And. And you have Kevin Sullivan and Bob Armstrong, uh, who is a legend in the South, and you give them three minutes, <laughs> if that. That one was like that one was like almost so short that I really didn't like, like because the announcers really didn't get into the rules of the match beforehand, and it only lasted three minutes. As someone not a fan, I had no fucking idea what was going on most of the entire time. <laughs> like, I had to pause and think about it for a second. I'm like, oh, okay, there was a. I thought it was a knife. I couldn't really tell what it was. Right. He's like, okay, there was a knife or a spike or something in one of the boxes. They had to find it and then they could stab the other guy with it. But like, it was just one of those matches that was like over so fast. I was, I, I was little confused by that. Killer Kyle was also um, the. SMW version of Big Bubba Rogers, who would go on yes. to become the Big Boss Man. Uh, Killer Kyle was that for Jim Cornette in this uh, in this promotion. So that's who Killer Kyle was. But Steph, I wanted to especially talk about the fact that you know you're you're a very well educated man. Have you ever heard a man from Singapore have such a thick Boston accent? <laughs> 
No, <laughs> never in my entire life have I heard someone from Singapore speak like they are directly from Boston. Yeah. Like that actually, was. Yeah, actually, uh, apparently Sullivan did spend time in Singapore at one time. Yeah. That makes. I mean, right. I, I guess um, once you have that thick of a so then we get the Rock and Roll accent, Express, and they're they're calling out the Moon Dogs, <laughs> and then we cut over to the other side of the arena where Jim Cornette is trying to calm down the Moon Dogs with a whistle. Go, yes, yeah. with a whistle. <laughs> they're going crazy uh, in the background there. Um, now, now uh, they're they're going to be taking on the Rock and Roll Express, mm-hmm. which if uh, if you haven't followed Southern wrestling. Uh, Rock and Roll Express and Jim Cornette, they never got along. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, um, okay, but they do the promos, and then they're going to come back from commercial and do the match. And in a beautiful moment of, like, pre-high-def, um, not necessarily cable uh, television, the throw to commercial lasts way too long. <laughs> It's like just a second too long, and it feels kind of uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and then, but yes, then we get this match, which, by the way, I don't think they ever gave us the stipulation. But everybody's carrying a weapon. No, they did. They said that, that was that the one where they were like one. You were allowed one. No, that's that's no, the gang. That's, that's the, the gang, gang warfare fight. later. That's the gang warfare, yeah. yeah. No, then, then no, they did not. They oh. didn't give a, but everybody's carrying a weapon, and so I'm assuming it's a no DQ match. I thought it was. I you thought would it assume was that. Just the junkyard dogs had just thrown a bunch of shit into the ring <laughs> when they were coming in, because I didn't see the Rock and Roll Boys carrying anything in. They just gra- I thought they just grabbed stuff off the floor. Oh, right, right. Yes. So, like, so it was just the junkyard dogs, like, hauling the shit that they were throwing around in the promo to the ring, which right. I found amusing. Yeah, no, it's it's great. It's it's fun. This match, it's brutal. It's fun. And Dutch Mantel um, has the perfect uh, the perfect thing to start this match because they're mm-hmm. trying to uh, the uh, Cardigan ring announcer is trying to introduce the match, to which leads Dutch Mantel to say, "Shut up, announcer." <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they start the match. The announcer gets out of the ring. There are two-by-fours flying, which obviously mm-hmm. were split two-by-fours because they just came apart as they were swinging. Right. Um, and everything's flying, and you see a, uh, a guy very calmly <laughs> walk up to the ringside, grab Robert Gibson's ring coat, and walk right away. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, do you remember when we talked about the blackjack brawl? Yes! There was a lumberjack match that ended in a double countout. Yes! This is almost as weird. Almost. How, how many... <clears throat> the no disqualification match ends in a double disqualification. Exactly. When the ref gets knocked out. <laughs> but let, let's talk about how many different weapons were used in this. We had hubcaps. We had uh, uh, traffic barrels. We had lead pipes. We had trash can lids. We had chairs, and apparently it's uh, we had two by fours, and a stop sign. A stop sign. Stop sign. Yeah, Jim Cornette runs in with a stop sign, and the announcers have totally left ringside, which yeah. <laughs> is hilarious. 
Jimmy Suzuki gets a shout out from Dutch Mantel. And the reason mm-hmm. I love the fact that Jimmy Suzuki gets a shout out is Jimmy Suzuki was an awesome Japanese photographer who would show up at all the big, big events. Kurt, uh, meanwhile, um, Mark Curtis is hopping around the ring like it's a trampoline and he hides in the corner. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the I referee hides the in the corner. Uh, that's not um, my that although that was like a top 3 moments of the refer, of the referee for me that's still not my favorite moment of this match of the referee. <laughs> but when we get there I'll tell you about it and it I literally I had to pause the video because I was laughing so hard. I had tell to... me, go ahead. Tell me now because I I have nothing else written down. Uh, so go ahead. So so um, it's not in this match. I think it's in the um. The other te- not not the second to last match. It is um. I don't know, two really tall guys, like seven foot four against. Uh, oh, prim- primetime Brian Lee, yes. Yeah, 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 pr- yeah. and um, they try. Oh, they no, Ron and Don Harris. No, it's Ron yeah. and Don Harris, the Bruise Brothers. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes. yeah, the Bru- yeah. the Bruise Brothers. Right. They, uh, the, the, whoever they were, they were uh, fighting against, they were about to, like, jump from the top rope. He lands on top of the ref. And the ref is just in the middle of the ring, laying there for the entire yes. match. Yep. Just doesn't yes. move. Like the commitment to not moving in that entire time. And then once the Bruise Brothers like knocks out the guy, whoever he was trying to knock out, he wakes up the ref for just long enough to count to ten, and then he immediately passes back out. Like immediately, <laughs> like, like, like like says the word ten and then stumbles and falls over. Yeah. And is assumed like dead at that point. I don't know. Yeah. And that's what made then that's what made Mark Curtis so special is he could sell anything. Yeah. I mean. Uh, uh, apparently not able, uh, uh, excuse me, apparently able to sell like anything, however, is also uh, Ricky Morton, who absolutely went nuts after the lightest chair shot in modern civilization by Rex. I mean, <laughs> he did the chair shot so slowly that you could have read a book by the time he hit him and then it was so soft and then Ricky flies off the side of <laughs> the side of the ring and then uh, curtis was taken out by a pole in this match unless instead of calling him the rock and roll express is now dubbed them the r&r express <laughs> are, are are you expecting him to sleep there less are they are they just gonna... yeah so you mentioned it's declared a no contest cornet comes in with a stop sign and who does he hit the ring announcer. Yep. <laughs> the that this the um, well, like going back to the junkyard dog match, the or the moon dogs. Yeah. Uh, the the funniest part is that they the, they they take the like the entire table that they're sitting at ringside, like it's just all in pieces, and they're like they're they're trying to figure out like. I don't know if that was planned or not, and I'm assuming it was at some point, but it just seemed like they had no idea where to stand afterwards. <laughs> so, like, in the rest of the footage, they're just, like, scrambling yep. around the ring, just, like, trying to find a place to stand that's not in anybody's way. And that is just, like, the secondary, the, 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 the little things that you see that, like, 
that were it was clearly a, a like a low I don't like a lower budget like than <laughs> WWE and WWF or, or, or WCW whatever it was at the time. Like you could just tell the budget wasn't there for someone to like like run in, reset up the table before the next match because they were just like freight train going. It had started. There was no stopping it now. And there's a couple things I want to mention about that. Number one, they never had a monitor. Yeah. And so <laughs> you always hear the fact that Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone always talk about the fact they always call off a monitor. Well, these guys didn't have a monitor. Yeah. But the other thing I want to talk about is that Smoky Mountain's announcer lineup was pretty amazing. Bob Caudle, Jim Ross, Les Thatcher, and Lance Russell. Those That's were the announcers. Great. That's great. <laughs> for Smoky Mountain Wrestling in their existence. <laughs> Jim Cornette knew some people, you know? And I think Char uh, Charlie, and I can't remember his last name, from, uh, from Armstrong's territory also came in and worked with them as well. But you want to talk about good announcers. I mean, Smoky Mountain, and I actually went to one Smoky Mountain show. Uh, I think it was in Knoxville. And I think I went with Scott Hudson, as a matter of fact. Um, it's, it was a wonderful little promotion that could, uh, until it couldn't anymore. And I think right. that's when Cornette just decided he wanted to, to go somewhere else. But when you think of all the personalities that were involved in this and, you know, from Mark Curtis to Cornette to all the people that he brought in and eventually Cornette would uh, bring in a tag team called the Thrill Seekers. Chris Jericho and Lance Storm sure. in their United States debut. <laughs> yeah. So this this was a, a major promotion that wasn't a major promotion. And yeah. just a, 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 an amazing history. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was as they were just getting started. Yeah. Uh, because they went on a few more years after this. Okay. Uh, well, our next thing is a promo in which uh, Tammy Fitch... Uh, introduces Brian Lee, primetime Brian Lee. And Tammy looks to be about 17 years old. Yeah, just about. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, says that the looks... dirty white girl has laser cooties. She did. Laser she, said, cooties. she said lice or cooties. <laughs> <laughs> With her accent, it does sound like laser cooties. And I don't know where else I'm going to be able to fit this in. Okay. So I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, Craig, have you seen uh, the adult film that starred Tammy Sitch? No, okay. <laughs> I, I I can tell you I I can tell you I haven't. I know of its existence. Uh, I have not seen it in full. Yeah, but not I, uh, not of an interest to me. Okay, I have not I have not seen it in full. Um, it is not. I could not find it on the internet for free. <laughs> for free, uh, you know, you can buy it through Vivid Video. Which is fine. Okay. A uh, friend of mine, I don't know whether or not he paid for it or got it through less than legal means. Um, less Thatcher, what? Less than legal <laughs> means. But he described it so perfectly that I have no need to see it now. <laughs> and that was, he said, it's like your aunt that never had kids finished off a bottle of wine and decided to make love with her boyfriend. Such a perfect. So, so I have some questions about this. Did Tammy Fitch do the job? <laughs> um, Did she take a powder? <laughs> Did she lay down for the one, two, three? But um, 
Um, but anyway, she's introducing Brian Lee, yes. But I, I'm sorry, I just had to get the, the story of Sonny's porno out of the way because... <laughs> well, if, if we're going to do sex talk, let's go to the next promo, which is the dirty white girl and the dirty white boy. Yep. Dirty white girl holding a whip. Dirty white boy holding the chains. Let's yep. just leave it at that. <laughs> yep. Um. And, and like I said before, I don't know if we were recording at this point, but dirty white boy Tony Anthony, uh, that, that, was, that was the best. He had the, I believe he was the one with the best mullet of the day. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> and before the match begins, we get graphics for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's just like two seconds of like white squares on a black screen. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it was their video toaster graphics, I think. Yeah. <laughs> And somebody in the crowd, a kid, I, I feel bad because it's a kid, but there's a kid in the crowd with a sign that says, Brian Lee, you are a traitor. Not traitor. Yes. Traitor. Yes. <laughs> now, okay, uh, you mentioned it. I'm going to talk about it now then. Okay. Bobby Blaze had that uh, had that sign at the very beginning. Yep. yep. Every time they show a sign... And I'm trying to. I'm. I'm looking for the other sign that just made me. Uh, just made me lose it. Um, oh, I think it was for. Uh, it, uh, what? What was? Wasn't it for the Bruce Brothers? Might have been for the Bruce yeah. Brothers, and it was. It was just like. Uh, oh yes, the Bruce Brothers are the are your worst nightmare. Yes. W o r s e. Yes. Every single sign, just had no spelling to it did yeah. you happen to notice that every single sign had the same handwriting oh yeah, <laughs> yeah I, no, I didn't that. notice that i noticed that <laughs> same kind of like design too yeah. uh, for, uh, so are, are we thinking that the people at the historic freedom hall in johnson city <laughs> city tennessee um were uh, either all taught handwriting the exact same way <laughs> or all taught spelling the exact same way. <laughs> uh, yes. Prime time on the, well, at, at least, at least it gave time for Mark Curtis and, uh, mm -hmm. and the ringside announcer to have recovered, but let's give a shout out to the MVPs of this particular show. The cleanup crew. Yes. <laughs> Every Absolutely. single match had so much, whether it was tar and feathers, whether it was baby powder, whether it was weapons, every single match, whether it was Singapore spikes, they had to clean up something. Um, <laughs> so when, when they get to the ring, Tammy steps in the ring and gives a promo and I, I can't understand it. At Correct. All. Like, you know. Correct. Uh, you can't hear her. She's just not using the mic correctly or the mic's wired wrong. There's something wrong with it. Yeah, um, it was just all static and like a little yeah. bit of like, you could hear her voice, but at, there was a couple points with this broadcast that like I just could not understand what they were saying. There was yeah. just too much like fuzz on the line. Two yeah. things. Uh, number one, the mic was not, the PA mic was not connected to the television broadcast. So you were right. hearing what was coming off the speakers. Second of all, and this happened to me when I was um, when I was working at a university, and we hired a female host 
for our football games and we had a single source speaker system. When you have a high voice like Tammy do does, it basically comes out like Charlie Brown's teacher unless you enunciate perfectly. Like, yeah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. well, Tammy's voice is kind of like that anyway. But <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I turned my miracle ears all the way up and still could not understand what she was saying. <laughs> and then, of course, we have the dirty white boy from Buck Snort. Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen. Buck Snort. Buck Snort. He was he was over, and like oh, he's huge. Yeah, but he never like he never made it to the big time really. Uh, he did make it to the WWE. Okay. He was T. L. Hopper, the plumber. Oh, the plumber, right? Uh. Yeah. That's who yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> yeah, Dur uh, Dirty White Boy was a mainstay of the South, and one of the classic, uh, classic angles of all time was the Dirty White Boy and the Dirty White Girl uh, against uh, Tom Pritchard, of all things. Huh. And Dirty White Girl feigned that she had been abused and said that she wanted Tom Dr. Tom Pritchard to be her savior says right. i'd like to t and and the angle was called i'd like to talk to tom and it was one of the great turns of all time and uh it, it's on youtube if you ever want to get a chance to see a really good angle i'd like to talk to tom from kimberly the dirty white girl right and then brian lee i think would be best known as the fake undertaker correct yeah um <laughs> that was so stupid <laughs> um and and Dutch so beautifully puts uh, puts out the fact that there was an exchange of information, yes. or or something was put in the purse. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, this match only works because of the managers. Yes. Uh, or valets. Yeah. What, whatever you call Tammy and and TWG. Um, and you know they 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 do a thing or Tammy throws uh, her purse in. Um, Brian uses it as a weapon when the ref's back is turned. Um, I'm back. And my favorite part of the match was the dirty white girl slapping the hell out of the dirty white boy. Yes. <laughs> now, this becomes very interesting later because the dirty white boy would be slapped by Tammy Fitch and he would sell the hell out of it. <laughs> yes. Um, but when... When, when they do that spot and they, uh, you know, it ends in, in disqualification, the dirty white, uh, where dirty white girl jumps in the ring and starts attacking Tammy. And um, one of the announcers says, I, I don't remember which one, says, she's riding her like a bucking bronco. For a second, I heard fucking. Um, um the the best is the announcer and again i don't remember which one is like for a minute there they were going at it and that's a match i would pay to see yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and for the second time tonight dutch totally blows the finish yep <laughs> because dirty white boy is disqualified because of the dirty white girl and dutch <laughs> totally blows the finish <laughs> saying mm -hmm. it's the other way around 
Yep. No, no, because right, uh, Brian Lee retains the championship. This was the this was the championship match, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that. Yes. Um, for yeah. the for the illustrious Smoky Mountain Wrestling Championship. Yeah. Um. And then we get a video package featuring the Bruce Brothers set to George Thorogood's Get a Haircut, which was a song I completely forgot existed. And get a um, real job. <laughs> yep. Um, it was a very minor hit around that time. Um, and, but, and they're going to be taking on the Heavenly Bodies, introduced by James Cornette. Um, and it's going to be a gang fight, which means they get to come to the ring with each, each party gets one weapon of their choice. Yes, and that's um, very important to know. Each party yes. gets one weapon of their choice. And those um, are the rules of this gang fight. Before we right. get into the fight, though, we, we okay. do have a short promo from uh, Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Yes. And Dr. Tom Pritchard, who I have to say has gone through his entire life as the best person that sounds just like Robbie Piper throughout his entire <laughs> career. I never knew if it was Dr. Tom talking or if it was him trying to do Piper. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I had to rewind the tape like two or three times because I was like, I was like, did he just call him a gigolo? Yes. Like, like yes. was that his thing? And then I finally got it. I was like, okay, so that just must be his, his like, his, his like stage name. You know what I mean? Gimmick. Yeah. 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 His gimmick. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of clever. You know, he's not an attractive man. You know? <laughs> no. And and like that, I gotta say that is kind of clever. Um, and this was the second incarnation of the Heavenly Bodies because the original one was Dr. Tom Pritchard and Sweet Stan Lane. Right. Those are the ones that actually wrestled in the Global Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, and then they also wrestled in the WWF. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, if, if you notice as the teams come in, Jim Cornette mm-hmm. hides something under the ring. Yeah. Right on camera. <laughs> it's oh, not- and, and this is the match with the amazing leap by the ref. Yes. <laughs> he yeah. leaps about two feet. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and th- this is a great match. It just goes everywhere. Uh, they, they brawl out into the audience. Um, but first we have it- to find out that Sturgis is in North Dakota. Yes. <laughs> um, right. Uh Dutch can't remember which Dakota it's in, but it's the place where all the Harley owners like to Right. Um, <clears throat> and by the way, we is the Harris, uh, the Bruce brothers. Yes. The Harris brothers. They weren't the Johnsons, were they? No, no, okay. no, no, no. That was the Shane brothers. Right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the Shane company. Yes. Um, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, like everything gets used as a weapon. Yeah. They bring in a door, they bring in some chains, and then when they brought it into the audience, they're using, like, the door of the arena. Yeah. Um, the, the funniest one is the tennis racket, though. Like, out of yeah. all the weapons you can bring, like, like every fighter can bring in one weapon, and he chooses a fucking tennis racket. Like, the <laughs> one thing you know you can break super easy yeah. So uh, I, I have a question. That was part of his gimmick. Yeah, that was that was yeah. Corn that was Cornette's thing. Cornette was supposed to be uh, from a Southern prep school. Ah, got so, it, got yeah. it, got it. But here's my question: 
what are the, what are the one what is the one weapon that each of the wrestlers brought in? Just the one weapon that they brought in. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you notice that the one weapon was never made clear by anybody. Right. <laughs> well, well, one. Okay, 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 okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go here. One of the Bruise Brothers brings in a whole door. Like just yes. throws the do- entire door into the okay, ring. Okay, so that, that would be that his weapon. weapon. Yes, was a door, which is you know. As far as doors go, that's a pretty good weapon. Yeah. But no, so, no, no one else, like, picks their weapon. So here is... Ha- th- this is where the mind of Cornette actually works. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I'm actually going to compliment him. Each wrestler... I, I, I think I was fair early. Yeah. Each wrestler was allowed to bring in one weapon. Who threw in all the extra weapons? Hmm. Jim Cornette. Yeah, it, ah, but it, yeah. it was it was pretty clearly done by Cornette. Like yeah. you saw him pulling shit out from uh, from under the ring and just tossing it in the in the stands. Right. During the whole... So each man was allowed one weapon, but Cornette made sure that everybody had weapons. Yep. yep. Some of them that were, were used earlier in the yeah. Moon Dogs. The the broken the, the the already dented stop sign was by far my favorite. Yes, well, it had been used in a previous match. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Callback. Yep. <laughs> but yes, it, this becomes an all-out melee. Um, the the Bruce Brothers win or no, they don't. Yeah, they do. Don't they? Well, no. hold on. There's a lot. There's a lot oh, to no, talk about before yeah, we get yeah, to the finish. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about before we get yes. to the finish. Number one, yes, there is. Yes. it went all over the arena. Yeah, which led to a couple of things being difficult from a production perspective. Sure. Number one, the cameraman had no idea where the hell they were. No. <laughs> yeah, and that was like you, made apparent. Like as uh, uh, at at some points i just looked away because there was nothing going on on screen it was yeah. just a camera panning to the left and the right looking for them to come through a door and then at at one point they were so high in the audience that there was no lighting yes yeah <laughs> point number 2 at one point between going back and forth the main cameraman actually focuses pulls focus on the middle of the ring <laughs> Yes. <laughs> in the middle of the broadcast, which I thought was yes. beautiful. And there's nothing there. There's no, yeah, no one's dead. And if lighting wasn't bad enough, what did they have to do? Knock out one of the television lights. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh. so the way this match ends is the referee counts out one of them with a count of ten. Right. What's the problem with the match going all over the arena? How can you count 10 on one pair if the other pair is on the other side of the arena? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And and remember that one of the weapons used in this was some sort of sheetrock or ceiling tile, which has asbestos, which Dutch said will give someone (laughs) cancer in 20 years. 20 years off cancer, which (laughs) sounded really glib. (laughs) But, But by far, hands down, my favorite weapon used during this whole match was, was that Cornette on the side of the ring? Yeah. Yeah. Cornette with a can of ether. Yes. Oh yeah. That was my favorite weapon. Like, like jumps on one of the bruise brothers backs, grabs him by the face with a face full of chloroform or a face full of ether. and just holds him there till he goes down. Just 
that was by far the funniest part of the entire match. And that is right. a classic Jim Cornette finish from yeah. many, many times. Yeah, that's, I think, why I'm confused as to who won, because I thought that was the end. Well, so the reason why I don't think that was the end is because that, that scene I mentioned earlier with the announcer getting, right. like, the, the one of the Bruise Brothers shaking the ref awake just to count the the uh, the heavenly bodies out to ten, and then immediately passing back out is in this in this uh, is in this gang fight because one of the Harris right. brothers had right. taken the ether and put out one of the heavenly bodies. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. Yeah. Now the so. the thing that we didn't mention about if you mm-hmm. couldn't figure this out is that Cornette had been the manager of both teams. Yes. Right, so the Moondogs run in. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so he was um, currently with the Heavenly Bodies playing the heels. The faces mm-hmm. were the Bruise Brothers, who he used to be the manager of. Yeah. And then, <laughs> so now we get the other tag team that Cornette's the manager of. Who's booking this show? <laughs> Jim Cornette. <laughs> All right, and uh, that's the show. Well, no, no, no we, we have a word of the day. Yes. Interwoven. Right. Interwoven right. is the word of the day from Les Thatcher. <laughs> Les Thatcher is saying goodnight, and uh, the Bruce Brothers show up and threaten the Moondogs. Yes. Um, yes. Um, and then for some reason uh, during the credits, it says copyright 1994, even though this was the 1993 Thanksgiving brawl. Okay, that's what confused that. me. Because yeah. when you said this, when you said uh, 1993 uh, Thanksgiving Thunder, I was like, wait, I'm fairly certain the last thing I saw said 1994, and I was I, like, I was like, um, okay, I hope I watched the right thing. This is about to be a real confusing podcast if I didn't. And okay. the last thing on the broadcast was actually a promo taped. Possibly at a different place and a different time yeah. with the Bruce Brothers <laughs> and Les Thatcher, who I think is wearing a totally different outfit at this point. <laughs> and they bring out a, spa- a saw. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay, the, uh, the copyright thing, I, the only thing I can think of is it may have been taped on Thanksgiving 1993, but not broadcast in 1994. Correct. Yeah. And it was also for home video, too. Oh, right. Okay. Um, right. So it might have been transferred from home video. Um, all right. And that's our show. So, Steph, um, what did you learn about pro wrestling by watching this show? Uh, baby powder is heavily used. Uh, <laughs> mullets are abundant. Yes. Uh, and I can only imagine there was a mountain of cocaine backstage that they all just took turns off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I don't know about Jim Cornette and drug use. No. Um, but you better put them. You better put the extra cheese and the extra mustard on the cheeseburger. Yep. Well, I know that he talks a lot about his his Wendy's habit. Double um, cheeseburger. Um, but something was going. I mean, he can't have been the only person booking and. Um, 
I, if I recall correctly, Dutch Mantel is something of a partier. Correct. So, you know, you're not, uh, you're not entirely wrong there, Steph. I mean, they were just, they were just like, um, in the, 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 the thing that like really stood out to me is in the Heavenly Bodies promo. Yeah. He kept like snorting and touching his nose, and then both of them were doing it. Like, go back and watch. They were both doing it, and I'm like, oh, I know what's going on now. I know why everyone's so fucking hype here. <laughs> So it wasn't baby powder, is what you're saying here, Steph. Is that what it you're saying? It wasn't baby powder on the mummy. It was just pure cocaine. As for the early 90s, it should have been. Well, if we ever did interesting titles of uh, of the shows for episodes, like a, another podcast I know about, this one would be entitled, It Wasn't Baby Powder. <laughs> I mean, I could go back and listen to them all and, and decide to give them clear titles. I don't know. Um, so let's talk about next week before we wrap things up next week. Scott Hudson, former WCW announcer will be joining us. My former broadcast partner. And we're going to be taking a look at the show. That's possibly next to blackjack brawl. The worst show in the history of wrestling, at least pay-per-view wrestling heroes of wrestling with apparently an amazing promo from Jake. Hey, hey Craig. Yes. Craig, do you want to play 21? Sure. Because I got 22. Ah! You want to play, play blackjack? Because I got two of those, too. That's good. I, I can't wait. <laughs> so, Scott Hudson joining us next week, and yes. that will be an extra special episode. Steph, thank yes. you for being with us thank tonight. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Steph, do you want to plug anything? Uh, I have nothing really to plug, but when I do, I'll let you know. Okay. But thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. All right. Uh, And we are on Twitter at WKIFpod. I'm also individually on Twitter at MinimusMaxim. And that Twitter is NSFW and 18 plus. Of your discretion is advised. And I am, uh, as usual, nowhere. Okay. (laughs) All right. Until next week, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.